Welcome to the Access Church Podcast and our Sermon of the Week. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. If you, uh, a parent at any point needs to slip out, feel free. We have some toys and so forth that are in the foyer, and uh, we'll leave the doors open. And uh, our heart was just for families to be together today uh, during this one hour New Year's Day service. I'm feeling skinnier already, right? It's going to be a great year. So, I read about a a man who had his New Year's resolutions, and uh, he had them all situated and ready to go. So here's what it looked like. 2013, he said, I'll get my weight down below 180 pounds. 2014, I'll follow my new diet rigorously until I get below 200 pounds. 2015, I will develop a realistic attitude about my weight. 2016, he said, I'll work out three days a week. 2017, he just said, I'll drive past the gym once a week. (laughs) And uh, for those of you that know me, uh, know that I'm not a a huge New Year's resolution person, uh, but I do enjoy, obviously, the new year and all that God has for us. Thank you to those of you that helped uh, Christmas Eve. We had such a a wonderful service, and uh, that was not possible without so many of you uh, helping, and and I just appreciate that. We had such a great night. But it's New Year's, and uh, we're looking forward to 2017 and all that God has for us. And this morning, what I want to do is just share a, a brief and simple message related to the new year. And then I want to take what I'm going to share over the next few minutes and connect it specifically to New Year's at the end, and we'll receive communion uh, together. How many of us grew up in church? Like, okay, a lot of us. So you grew up in church, and how you grew up in church has shaped perhaps your view of Jesus over the years. And I was thinking about this as we were visiting family this past week. Growing up, we used to visit our relatives home uh, for Christmas and holidays, and they had that kind of beautiful airbrushed picture of, of, you know, Jesus petting the lamb, you know, like holding this lamb, and it looks so perfect. Others of you, you have a picture of, of Jesus that maybe is a little bit different. He's like the Hollywood, the rugged, but gentle Jesus, always smiling. Maybe you have the picture of Jesus like the buddy, you know, he snuggles up next to you on the couch and is watching football, and that's kind of the image or the picture of Jesus that you have in your mind. And, uh, you know, we really don't have an accurate picture of what Jesus looked like. We do have a lot in the Gospels that talk about the people in that culture in which he grew up with, but more importantly than his looks, what did the heart of Jesus look like? You know, as I read the Gospels, there's just constant themes that keep coming back to me over and over and over over the years. And the big, one of the big key themes for me is the conflict that Jesus dealt with, the times that he disagreed, the times that he debated with people, the times that he was a little bit perhaps more harsh and maybe even being perceived as condemning at times. And when you look at these times in the life of Jesus, you can almost pinpoint the fact that he was always dealing with religious people when he seemed frustrated 
when he was having conflict. It was the religious system, the religious leaders of the day. It just didn't seem like they were on the same page for Jesus. And he was constantly kind of bumping up with them. He was constantly disagreeing with them. And then we see this time and time again in the Gospels. So what did Jesus have so much of an issue with, with related to religion and religious people? And what does this have to do with New Year's? I've thought a lot about this over the years, the conflict that he had with religious people. And if I were to try to boil it down to one single issue, and and there are many issues, but if there was one primary one, if you want to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 6 this morning, if you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen with us. In in chapter 6, Jesus had just got done wrapping up kind of the warning to the disciples about corrupt doctrine and so forth and and opinions of the scribes and the Pharisees who were the religious leaders of the day. And he's warning them against now corrupt practices, against the two major sins that they were notoriously guilty of, that of hypocrisy and worldly-mindedness. Matthew 6, 5 through 8, Jesus says to them, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. Who are the hypocrites? The religious leaders of the day. For they stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have the reward in full. Well, what was that reward? It was the reality that people noticed them doing these quote-unquote religious things. Jesus says that's not to be true of you. But when you pray, go into your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is interesting to me, the reality that God is a rewarder. We don't talk a whole lot about that in church. But the reality is that once you're saved, that there is a reward to living a right life before God. And there is a curse to a lifestyle of sin in this world and in the life to come. So not only is there a curse associated with sin, but everything that you and I do is for our good, according to God's word, and and he rewards us. He says, when they pray, don't use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles. So don't just be rambling, you know, all of the quote-unquote right things, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, he says, for your father knows what you need before you ask them. This morning, I want to focus just for the next few minutes on why Jesus was constantly causing friction with the religious system and the religious leaders of the day. Why were some of the most provocative? Why were some of the harshest things that he said not directed at the people that that culture would have defined as sinners? But why were some of the strongest things that he said directed at the at the people that that particular culture would have labeled the religious people, the religious leaders, many of them, of the day. And here's the key phrase. You'll see it on the screen. Religion focuses on outward appearance, but Jesus was always, say always, he was always focused on the heart. Religion, like today, was very similar even back in the times of Jesus that it was so focused on the external things and the outward appearance of being a right person before God, whatever you would kind of define that as being. But Jesus was always addressing the heart. 
They were so much focused on the outward appearance, the deeds that they were doing, all of these things that were quote unquote perceived to be more godly and more religious and that they would be closer to God because of all of our doing. And Jesus was addressing their being. He was addressing the motivation of the heart. Which is why he goes on later in Matthew, you can turn to chapter 23, verse 25. Jesus says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites, he calls them. For you're so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy, full of greed, and self-indulgent. Jesus, in essence, looks at them in the eye and he says that they're hypocrites. That word means that they're pretending or they're putting on a show or they're play, you know, playing a role in an act as they're, if they're being someone that they're not. They're living behind this mask where on the outside it was all about these external things, but deep within the heart, the motivation of the heart wasn't pure. They acted like they believed that they loved God and yet they're rejecting Jesus as the Messiah. They were pretending to seek God, but they were seeking self-promotion, esteem, recognition, power, and worldly possessions. They wanted to be noticed by men. They, they wanted to show and almost express concern for the quote-unquote things of God, but the heart issue was really uh, focused on the passions of the things of this world. They were acting helpful, they were acting humble, but they were full of pride, selfishness, and envy. They were claiming, many of them, to be ministers of God, but they were really ministers of this man-made, put-together, dead-end religious system. They would profess the word of God, but they added to it, and they took away from it. And so Jesus is condemning, and he's addressing this form of godliness that's working and focused on the external things. Which is why in chapter 6, he says you can look the nicest, you can kneel down and pray, you can give your money and offerings, you can fast 21 days, you can throw your hands up in the air in, in worship. But if the motivation of the heart is not pure, if inside things are not right before God, it really is just an act. It's a play. It's as if you're living behind a religious mask. All of these things are really, actually, when you think about it, they're good things. But one of the balances that you and I need to have in our faith, I believe, with, in our faith with Jesus is, is these things related to, you know, reading our Bible and praying and, and fasting and just all of these wonderful things. But if those things are not coming out of a heart that is genuinely thankful and motivated by all that God has done for us, if we're doing these things to prove ourselves to God or like offsetting sin in our lives, like, you know, if I struggle with sin in this area, as long as I, you know, you know, add three times of prayer during the week and I fast every once in a while and I give to missions, it kind of offsets the sin. And if I do enough right things to offset the wrong things and it all kind of balances out, it's nothing but a form of religion. I want to describe this to you. 16 of us are leaving at 5 a.m. Uh, tomorrow, we're heading to Mexico, and uh, we'll pray over our team before we leave. But we're going to be uh, on a construction trip and doing some ministry and so forth there. And one of the things about being in Mexico at this hotel we stay is there's no coffee at the place in the morning. 
And that is just tragic. Um, but there's a gentleman that attends and goes with us every year, and I, I try hard not to single people out by name, but he looks a whole lot like our treasurer. And uh, so he is a uh, dual profession. He's a church treasurer as a volunteer, but he's also an internationally known uh, barista. And so he travels with a coffee pot. He travels with all his accessories and everything, but there's one key thing you don't want to mess up. You've got to bring your own mug. You don't bring a mug, you're not drinking coffee. No, co- no mugs in this place. It's, you know, it's, so you bring your mug. And so we all, you know, like a bunch of cattle, you know, we heard to the only room number that's important, and that's his room number. So we all kind of heard in there in the morning, we, we get some coffee and so forth. And, and I typically do that every day. But let's say you're dragging at the end of the trip. And you need that kind of boost, but you didn't bring a coffee cup with you on the trip. So you kind of knock on my door thinking, well, Pastor Zach, you know, he'll sacrificially give up his mug. So you come to my door and you ask for the mug and I say, get out of here. You know, it's my mug. But being the generous person, I pull out this box and I say, I brought with me my favorite coffee mug. This is a handmade mug by my wife. My initials are on it. And uh, this is like my mug. But being the nice, kind person that I am, I'll go ahead and I'll give you this mug. But it's a one of a kind. Don't mess it up. Don't drop it. Don't dirty it. It's my mug and it's yours. So if I put this mug in your hand and you're like thinking, wow, I got Zach's favorite mug. And you turn and you walk to the door, and then all of a sudden, as you glance down into the mug, there's like this ring of film left from like four or five days of creamer that's dried in there. You glance down in the bottom, and you've got all that brown stuff that's kind of collected there. It's the, all of a sudden, you're not as thirsty, are you? What Jesus is saying is he's saying, on the outside, the religious leaders of the day, they're so careful and they're so concerned about the outward appearance of looking the part, playing the role, kind of doing their religious thing. But he's addressing the inside of the cup and he's saying deep within their heart of hearts, there's corrosion, there's filth, there's spiritual decay. Why in the world? Am I talking about this on New Year's? Well, I think other than Christmas and Easter, I think New Year's for many of us, kind of one of those days where we can have this tendency or this bent towards religion, say religion. We'll get to that in a minute. So Jesus is constantly focusing on that issue with, with the religious leaders. And here's, look at what it produced. Most importantly, that religious system produced people that rejected Jesus as the Messiah. Secondly, it produced people that preferred their own ideas of religion rather than God's. They preferred religion of the honored man's ability to do all of these things rather than a religion that honored God for his grace and his mercy. Paul goes on in Romans 3, he says in verse 20, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. 
He says you'll never be declared righteous by all of these things that you do. Rather, the law, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. He says the role of the law of God, all of this doing, is so that you and I become conscious or we become aware that you and I, outside of Jesus, can't do anything on our own strength to be approved by God. You can have resolutions this new year, but if, if those don't include God working in your life, it's just man's attempts to kind of do his religious thing before God. Finally, these people, they chose the world over God's demand for self-denial. They chose the things of this world, position, honor, recognition, wealth, power, authority, and security, and they're using religion for their own ends to try to advance themselves. So not only are they not going to enter heaven, but they're leading people away. People that are seeking truth, they're, they're kind of, the religious leaders are taking scripture and they're twisting it and di- distorting it. And they're discrediting Jesus by denying that he's God in the flesh. At one point in Matthew 22, he says, you're in error because you not only don't know the scriptures, but you don't know of the power of God. And so on one hand, we need to be concerned and we need to think about things like spiritual disciplines. And we're going to talk about those when I get back from Mexico in a few weeks. Talking about simplifying just spiritual disciplines. Like what does that even look like? So we need to balance that on one hand. But then on the other, we've got to come to the realization that though you may volunteer, though you may pray, though you may fast, though you may do all of this religious quote unquote stuff, Jesus was always concerned about the heart, right? He's always concerned and focused on the heart. Think of the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. Most likely she was pulled out of a bedroom to Jesus's feet, inappropriately dressed. And what did Jesus say? He didn't say, go put more clothes on. He said, go and what? Sin no more. Think of the paralyzed man as he's lowered from the mat in the roof clearly handicapped, clearly needing physical healing, and yet Jesus addressed the heart issue. He addressed the sin. Think of the rich young ruler. Jesus tells him to go and sell all of his stuff. That wasn't Jesus talking about the external things. Jesus is not anti-possessions. He's anti-things that possess us. And the motivation, the heart issue with that man was that his stuff His possessions had displaced and and not had really allowed any room for Jesus in his life. And so he addresses the heart issue for he is always focused on the heart. And that created conflict with religious leaders. They're thinking we're we're doing all of these right things. Look at all of the nitty gritty stuff that we're living and we're dying by and we're, we're working this thing so hard to prove ourselves to God and now you're telling me it doesn't matter? That it's all about my heart? Jesus can't care that much about my heart. Look at all of this stuff that I did for God. Jesus is always concerned and so it constantly stirred up conflict. Bible says, speaking of the last days, you'll see on the screen, 2 Timothy 3, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. He goes through this whole list. He says, holding on to a form of godliness or a fashion of godliness, but denying its power. That has always stood out to me. 
that there can even be an appearance or a fashion or a style of godliness that is not genuine and authentic godliness. You ever meet somebody that just, they're so angry, they're so frustrated, they're just easily set off? Perhaps it's someone that lacks love, care, concern for people, or somebody that's just always anxious or never experiencing peace, or they go from one trouble to another trouble. We need to guard against judging, but on the other hand, we need to be discerning. And so how do you know if somebody's really passionately like all in and surrender to Jesus, or if it's this fashion of godliness? Well, for me, you measure the fruit of the Spirit. The evidence of the Holy Spirit's working in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let me tie this in to New Year's Eve before we receive communion. Here's my main point in one sentence. As I had prayed and really thought about this um, about a week or so ago, here's what I felt like the Holy Spirit was just kind of challenging me with to challenge you with. You'll read it on the screen. Let us not so much focus on New Year's resolutions, but unresolved heart issues. Let us not focus so much on New Year's resolutions, but on unresolved heart issues. Many of you have great and wonderful memories and experiences in 2016. Others of you, you've walked through some challenging times, some difficulty, perhaps a loss, loss of whatever, loved one job, whatever. And it's in those times that our circumstances, they don't create our attitudes as much as they reveal our attitudes. They don't create heart conditions. They reveal heart conditions that are already deep within the surface. So whatever you're facing, whatever you're going to face, in 2017, unresolved heart issues will carry forward with you unless you address them. So many of you, you're here. Some of you, you've made these resolutions. You're thinking ahead. And personally, we're all going to what? We're going to lose weight. We're going to get out of debt. We're going to spend more time with the kids and all of these things. And Ashley and I, <clears throat> Ashley had this great idea, actually, to get this jar and to come up with just 12 things that we're going to work on. We're going to focus on each month in our family. So we wrote them out. You know, we're going to be uh, acts of kindness to our to our neighbors. We're going to, one month, we're going to, you know, focus on talking about money management with our children. We're going to focus one month on healthy eating. And I thought, that's a great deal. Just one month of healthy eating and then one month of kindness. And no, but, but, you know, we're trying to develop these things in our, in our children at, at a young age. But spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking, have you said before, God, I, I'm going to pray so much this year. I'm going to read my Bible. You got the one-year thing already on your phone, and you're like ready to roll. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to get involved in church. I'm going to get involved in a life group. I'm going to do all of these things. I'm going to da 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 And I think New Year's resolutions are a, a good first step, but they're a far cry from real, lasting, internal heart change. 
And if you're not careful, if you're not guarded, I'll tell you what probably no pastor has the guts to get up and say on a New Year's Day, but I'll just say it. If you're not careful and you don't check the motivation of the heart, all of your spiritual resolutions, these doing things for God, if you're not addressing the heart issue, it's nothing more than, Lord, I'm, I'm going to pray all the time this year. Yep going to start tithing has nothing to do about faith or obedience or your goodness it's just i'm doing this thing for you god yep gonna serve it's nothing than just externally cleaning so let us not focus so much on these spiritual new year's resolutions we're gonna do all this stuff and it's gonna focus on unresolved heart issues When you address things within your heart, Jesus always works in the inside of the heart of man. And from within you, it transforms you. What am I talking about as the worship team comes? Before we receive communion, here are a couple questions that we're going to take a minute or two and I'm going to ask you to pray about. Who do I need to forgive from last year. Who's that person that though you may be trying to get all this stuff right, Jesus is like, hey, there's some residue of unforgiveness there. Who is that person? Because you forgiving that person from 2017 could perhaps be the one thing that frees you in almost virtually every area of your life. Who's that person? Maybe it's this question. What do I need to let go of? What do I need to let go of? Or another way of saying it would be, in what area of my life do I need to release and exercise more faith? Perhaps in you releasing, you're now positioned to be receiving in 2017. Not something that you did. It was something that you released or that you let go of. What am I doing out of religious routine that needs to become out of a heart response to God's goodness in my life? What am I doing out of just religious routine that needs to be out of heart response for what God's goodness in my life? What do I need to surrender to Jesus that I've been unwilling to let go of? What is that thing? How about this? In what areas of my life do I have passion that far exceeds the passion that I have for God? Heart issues. This is inside the cup stuff. What areas am I more passionate about that I spend my time, my energy, and my resources and so forth that far exceeds my passion for the Lord see I believe as I've prayed we're not focusing so much on New Year's resolutions spiritually these things go ahead and be practical and come up with next steps and all of those things but I think it's appropriate as we start off the new year before we receive communion just to say Lord would you search my heart I don't want to walk into 2017 as we're already here. 
with unresolved heart issues that impact virtually every area of my life. So would you just close your eyes today? As we prepare to receive communion in a few moments, they'll come and serve in a minute. But here's what I'm asking you to do. Just say, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me today? Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Heavy burdens are these religious things that we do, all of this stuff that we carry. He says, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, you, and let me teach you, for I am gentle, I am humble. You'll find rest with your soul, for your soul. I believe you can come even into this moment. Just take a deep breath. Just say, Holy Spirit of God, would you examine deep within my heart? Maybe you need to call somebody this afternoon and just let them know. You know what would happen in 2016 happened, but I want you to know I've chosen to forgive you. Just need to let go. ask the Lord to examine your heart before you receive communion today. Thank you for joining us this week. If you would like to further connect with us, you can find us online at sccaccesschurch.com or on any social media platform. Have a blessed week.